Welcome to the Off Street Podcast featuring Adam Reiner and Sean Dan. Off Street contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and contains certain forward-looking statements of future possibilities that due to known and unknown risks and other uncertainties and factors may differ materially from actual results. As such, there is no guarantee that any views and opinions expressed herein will come to pass. Off Street is presented for informational purposes and nothing contained herein should be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell any security or as an offer to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Additionally, this communication contains information derived from third-party sources. Although we believe these sources to be reliable, we make no representations as to their accuracy or completeness. Adam and Sean are employees of Marshall Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. For additional information about the firm, including its services and fees, send for the firm's disclosure brochure or visit advisorinfo.sec.gov. All right, Sean. It is Tuesday, April 18th, about 1.40 in the afternoon. Welcome to the second episode. Happy to have we you made back. It. We or... made it to episode two. We made it. Happy to be back. What did you think of the, the early feedback, early reviews? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you think episode one went? No, by all standards, pretty happy with it. I think some of the feedback we got was, was good. Um, we should be mindful not to use jargon. Yes, especially after giving a disclaimer saying we would we would yes. not use jargon. So uh, it was it came to our attention that we used a lot of jargon. Yes, that was a mistake. May, may hand, a hand up, hand up. That's on us. <laughs> you know, it just comes out so naturally. But I, I guess that's the point, right? Uh, All right. So so less jargon. Think we think we got some positive feedback on uncorrelated people yes. like the Netflix story in particular. You know, which really the point of that story was. It was millennials that were spending so much on hotel rooms. Yeah. Millennials, Gen Gen Z, the other one, right? Gen Z is, Gen Z and millennials. is after millennials. It goes millennials, yes. then Gen Z. We're very influenced by where people stay on these on these shows. Yes. All right. Well, think good momentum. Ready to tackle week two. Today's tax day. Did you get your taxes done? Happy tax day. Be sure to call your favorite CPAs. Congratulate or, them. Give them a happy tax day. Or financial planners that or, help you or financial year around. Planners. But yes, taxes have been filed. Should be all set there. Hopefully, knock on wood. Yes. Also, also happy to say got the taxes done this weekend. Nothing like waiting till the last minute, but they're <laughs> done and submitted and everything's right in the world. You don't have to wait for another uh, 362 days. I'm looking forward to it. Well, did you watch Succession this weekend? I did. I, ha- I have some Succession news some- for you. Let's hear it. They continue to put up record ratings, 2.6 million view- viewers. And the wow. last week, Forbes had an article that co- the Connors wedding episode was the highest rated episode of any show ever on IMDb. I was going to say, I looked at IMDb after the episode and it said 9.9, which yes, I, I don't is, remember ever seeing that. It was 10 at one point, which was above Breaking one, a Breaking Bad episode, was the okay. highest rated show ever on TV. Um it is now back down to 9.9. So I think it went from 1 to 13 over the past week, but still very high. I don't see how, I mean, that episode in particular, every actor is going to be the front runner for the Emmys. That show is going to sweep. I, I I really do think as long as they do a good job with these final five episodes, it's going to go down. It's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And it's not going to overstay its welcome either. If anything, it's probably going to end too soon after what, four seasons? So Four seasons, I think, yeah. I saw it's gotten to the point where I was scrolling through wall street journal today they have a whole tab for succession oh really yeah literally like there's been three articles written in like the past two days it's like goes real estate markets succession (laughs) interesting send me the link i will yeah if you if you haven't watched succession and you have hbo and you like business related drama backstabbing 
dynamics there's family dynamics it's it's an interesting show yeah even even if you don't like business i feel like there's still draws with like the family drama and high society and so we have the, the sixers are up 2-0 in their series yep yep i'm not letting myself get excited about the sixers no. <laughs> i've made that mistake far too many times before we'll see how the first few games of the celtics go but expectations especially when it comes to Philadelphia professional basketball is like the secret to being just perpetually disappointed and sad. So I'm not. Is that is that just uh, unique to basketball or is that all Philly sports? Well, <laughs> it might be all Philly sports. I was having this debate with you. I think it's now been the MLS team, the union, the Phillies and the Eagles have all finished in second in consecutive seasons. It's, would, would, you, would you be more heartbroken if the Sixers lose in the second round to the Celtics, presumably the Celtics, or if they were to make it all the way to the finals and then lose. And then we have four in a row that have been runner-ups. I would be more heartbroken if the Sixers lost in the second round because I love Embiid and I don't want him to get frustrated. You think he'd leave? You think he'd leave? Like I said, I'm keeping expectations low. My expectations were very high for the Eagles. I very much thought they were going to win the Super Bowl. And that was just, I still think back and have bad memories of that night. Whereas the Phillies, no one had any expectations going into the playoffs. And that was like, I still look on that. Favorably. We were happy to be there. That was, that was a fun run. That was a very fun time. The Eagles almost felt like work. Like you're like, oh, they better win. They should win. So keeping yeah. low expectations for the Sixers, but I will be tuning in. So I have a feeling we will be talking about the Sixers again next week after they take care of business against the Nets. Yeah, I mean, if they lose to the Nets, but I, th- I think we're, I think we're gonna get past the Nets, past the Nets. So last week we talked about bank earnings um, and some other economic data points that came out um, last week. Bank earnings started on Friday the fourteenth. Um, so far, not rosy for all the banks. I feel like most of those who have reported, at least the major ones, have beat estimates. So like, not all rosy, but. Not as bad as feared is the way it feels. No, I would say it's it's positive insofar as when you're expecting the worst and then get something that's not so bad, it feels relatively great. So I, I think we talked about last week, are we at peak stress? Are we approaching peak stress? I think if we can get through this earnings season and continue to see moderate to okay earnings, people will be more confident in saying we're, we're past the peak stress. The deposit flight Maybe it's more under control, and um, if rates stop going up as fast as they were, maybe we don't have to worry as much about the balance sheet issues, the holding available for sale um, yeah. securities. Just looking over the past five trading days using the financials ETF, so XLF, and the S&P 500 uh, ETF, SPY, banks, financials up over 3% five days. S&P's up about one. It's nice nice to see since we entered that bank earnings period where people just felt unsure yeah. about what to expect. So still still heavily underperforming. And I think we have two weeks. I think it's two weeks to today, right? That the postmortem for SVB is released. I believe May 1st. First. So all right, even less than two weeks. Hopefully we get through this earnings season. The SVB postmortem comes out. We see it, it truly was mostly bank specific issues. Obviously, I'd say probably way too early to say, okay, we can stop worrying about banks. There's still risks that are present, but the, the temperature is definitely different than it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, we'll get get some more insight at the end of the month on the 30th with that senior loan officer survey from the Federal Reserve. So we'll be able to see if lending standards really tightened. Um, do you, do you but- think this is completely stunted? Like, I know the, the Fed came out with their minutes and they said in, in the wake of SVB and, and all that's had to 
be done because of it. Maybe we we face a higher chance of a moderate recession end of 2023. Seems like they would have considered hiking 50 uh, last meeting. They only did 25 because of SVB. Sounds like we're going to do 25 again early May. Do you think, say we hike in early May, 25 basis points, bank concerns continue to wane. Do you think the Fed then considers another 25? They're like, okay, the, the banks are okay. We feel comfortable going another 25. Or do you think it's kind of over at this point? It's 25 and we're done. Oh, man. It feels like it's 25 and we're done. I think the fact remains that the banking stress did happen. And it's only gone away, quote unquote, because Federal Reserve and Treasury had to get yeah. involved in the market. So That's a very good point. Yeah. I think while things seem stable, we have to remember why things feel stable but regarding the recession it is funny like to look at things it seems like especially over the past week someone could take away from the data points that have come out anything that they want based on their view whether you're bullish yeah. or bearish like so we had cpi last week um the month over month number came in below consensus it looks like at this point it's fairly safe to say that inflation peaked last june at 9.1%. That headline year over year number fell to 5% this this past release. Below below uh, 5%. But yes, it was <laughs> a few rounding points away from being 4.9%. What, what was the, it? I believe it was 4.98. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it was up there. <laughs> the number. So that, that's like the good of that that data point. And then there's the other side of it. I that looks good, but housing costs Housing inflation still seems to be stubbornly high and persistent. And we can just go through several of those data points that came out and see similar things. Like jobless claims are back in 200,000s on a weekly basis. But I know part of the reason we got there is from revisions that happened. We had headline retail sales last week. They declined more than the market expected. But when you look at it, X autos and gas, it was a little stronger than the market had expected. So did retail sales really just decline that much because people were spending less on gas last month? Producer price index looked good. That came in below expectations. So that's one potential good thing for inflation. But it just feels like at this point for the market, we might just, we're stuck in this this range that we're where we've been really maybe since the end of August last year, somewhere between 4,200 on the S&P and 3,600, maybe recently 3,800. So yeah. any, anything that you've seen that changes the market narrative? Well, I was going to say, even before you said that, we, we felt stuck. I was going to say, it kind of feels like we're in a holding pattern and have been for a little while here. I think it once it became apparent that inflation, obviously we weren't, we weren't in good shape with inflation, but after you got a few months in a row, after peaking in June, that we were on a downward trajectory Things were kind of pointing up. The the panic about runaway inflation started to to go away and focus started to shift on, okay, the Fed. And now the Fed's come more into view. And now it's the recession. And now we're kind of, we kind of feel like we have more of a grasp. Either the market feels like it has more of a grasp on all these things, but we're still juggling, I'd say, three very difficult things at once. And you throw in a banking crisis. We think we're going to have a harder landing, but we still have a little bit of ways to go to figure that out. That's, and that's we're, just gonna, we're just going to we're just going to have to continue to wait for the data to come in. And I don't think we break that range. I would, I honestly, I don't know if it necessarily would be a good thing if we broke even to the upside, broke that range. Like we saw in 2021, when you get too dislocated, that's real painful when you have to readjust. I, I wouldn't be too opposed if we keep in that trading range 
Well, by, by the end of the summer, we'll start to price in, or the S&P will start to price in 2024 earnings, hard hard to believe on some level. And if it doesn't look like a recession's coming by the end of the summer, I don't know, we'll see. If inflation continues to fall or at least stabilizes somewhere, it looks like right now in, in Bloomberg, um, inflation swaps have inflation falling somewhere around 3, 3.2% uh, for the June 30 number, then just kind of trading sideways from there. I think most people would be happy with that. So if we're going to get inflation at three, consumers still good, maybe we'll see how things play out for the market at that point. And maybe a good reminder with like all the, it feels like there's been a lot to worry about the past two years and it's corresponded with negative market performance. Like once we get out of this, there's still going to be things to worry about. Like even if we get pat, like if it's not, like we said, if it's not inflation, it's the Fed. If it's not the Fed, it's a recession. If we start to get a clear view about a recession, there's going to be something else. But it at least feels like now we're starting to get a better grasp on it. Yeah, there always there's always something. Like the one thing that looms on the horizon yet is uh, debt ceiling still has to be resolved. Mm. It seemed like there was some headline flow today about it, but that that's looming out there. It still seems like most people expect there something positive to happen there. The worst case scenarios will be avoided, which feels like we go through this every year, every few years with the debt ceiling. It's probably why markets don't really seem to care about it right now. Yeah. Don't worry I would think it's going to drag out. They're going to drag it out to the 11th hour. People are going to make their talking points, get their little sound bites for elections next year. But like you said, it, it will be settled, hopefully, I should say. It does feel like markets have been more resilient this year. Like Is that is that the way it seems to you? Yeah, 1,000%. Just the, the feeling walking into the office every day and that trading bell at 930, it just feels different. Last year, we talked about how last year it, it felt like the, you just traded down the whole day. It was just a grind lower most days. And this year, we actually see some resilience. Even on the down days, it doesn't ever feel like we're going to get that three, four, five percent day that we saw a couple, yeah. couple of last year. Even, even in March, with all that banking stress, had that been a last year, I can't even imagine. I, I yeah, that would have been well, bad. Weird. It would have been so bad. We felt like we were trading down one percent, two percent, in any given day, just based on some headline or something someone from the Federal Reserve said about interest rates. What alone banking stress on top of that. Well, that's and that's the market seemed to take it in stride. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point. Do you think? The markets have become like calloused to an extent where last year was like murmurs of the start of hiking. One hike of 25 basis points got the market riled up. Now this year or late 2022, early 2023, hiking three times that amount and taking it in stride and doing that each month. And then a bank blows up and inflation is so high and we continue to trade upward. We're positive pretty significantly positive on the year in a lot of in a lot of areas. I think what we learned through some of what we saw as a result of the banking issues in March was that markets were probably just caught flat footed last year. There was a lot of excess built in multiples earning multiples were, were bid up the banks themselves weren't positioned great for rates to rise that quickly. That's kind of what did SVB in but SVB Silicon Valley Bank since Let's be mindful of the acronyms. Yes, Silicon Valley Bank, correct. <laughs> and I think everything just got whipsawed last year. And now that everything's kind of priced, expectations are more aligned. That's, maybe that's part of the reason why we didn't see things go so haywire in March. Well, I mean, we talked about it last week. Going into 2022, we were at a time when companies had enough excess that they were paying $200,000 an employee just to basically keep them on retainer. Mark Zuckerberg was paying tens of billions of dollars for his like pet projects metaverse situation so i mean it was a weird time i think it's definitely looked at as a weird time and like you said caught flat-footed a lot of excess that needed to be trimmed feels like we're in a better spot now i'd say overall it does and 
the number of positive days is up slightly this year compared to last year. 52% of trading days have been up this year through last Friday compared to 43% of trading days um, last year. It's just that intraday volatility has diminished by about a little less than half a percent less intraday volatility, which feels a lot different. So it's maybe yeah, part of the reason. Absolutely. What do you uh, say we tease a segment for next week, Sean? Okay. What are you thinking? What do you think we do? Bulls say, bears say. Kind of break Bulls down say, some of the say. market narratives that are out there. I like that. All right. Give it a shot. Are we going to go for it now? Give it a test run now? No, no. We go. Let's, let's wait till next week. We'll wait on it. Just a, yeah. a just a sneak preview. Just a sneak preview. But you know, All it's right. on, on the I docket like it. for next week. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll start sneaking in. Start sneaking in commercials for our our upcoming shows. I like that. Bulls say, bears say. Okay, cool, nice. Uh, you want to do some uncorrelated? Yeah, let's do that. All right, and uh, we have we have to follow up on last week's Netflix. Here we go. So. If it's your first time listening, or even your second time, just a reminder, uncorrelated, um, those unique and interesting finance stories, uh, not necessarily tied directly to um, capital markets. It's meant to be light and interesting. So this first one comes from, let's start with the rats are, Sean. You want to okay. talk us through that one? Yes. New York City. Mayor Adams hired a rat czar who will be earning $155,000 per year as the official rodent specialist of New York City. She's going to head a task force team that their sole purpose, their sole job is to try and fight the rat crisis. Yes. So this piqued my interest a little bit in that how much economic damage comes from rodents? Like what's the economic impact? Felt like someone out there had had to quantify this at some point. I, yeah. And lo and behold, there it is. In the U.S., the economic cost of rat damage was estimated at around $19 billion a year. That's crazy. Uh, many times greater than any other invasive animal species. And I, it may have gone up since then. This was done by a research paper by the University of South Florida in 2013. Yeah, it's shocking. It looks like in New York, it's Manhattan and Brooklyn that have the have the largest issues. But Manhattan, especially, kind of being the the financial capital of the world, you have all those businesses, all those restaurants to have rats scurrying around, all those apartments, people living there. And there, I, I saw there's a lot too. They said there was kind of a boom post COVID, a, a lot less people outside getting in their way, scaring them off. I guess they saw a huge boom going into 2021, and now there's fears of it completely spiraling out of control if something isn't done soon. You you mentioned the University of South Florida paper in kind of preparing to talk about this. I did do some research too. It's shocking the number of academic papers on the rat problem. It's really kind of, kind of jarring, pretty crazy. It's kind of one of those one of those things you don't think about yeah. living in the suburbs all that often. Think more mice than rats. How about this story out of Philadelphia, Sean? I have more questions than answers. I assume many people have seen this story out there already. Last week, I believe it was Thursday, in Northeast Philadelphia, there was a, a brazen, bizarre dime heist. Dime so heist. Suspects broke into a tractor trailer and stole $200,000 worth of dimes. Dimes came from the Philadelphia Mint. This tractor trailer was parked in a Walmart parking lot overnight, which is apparently not all that uncommon. But just the sheer volume of dimes. To steal $200,000 worth of dimes, they said it was... Two million, two million dimes. 
Yes. And it looks like they stole them in a Chrysler sedan and what was it? A <laughs> Toyota Tundra pickup uh, truck. Yes. A, a Chrysler 300 and a pickup truck carried 2 million dimes weighing 10,000 pounds. I, but for for scale, the Chrysler sedan weighs about 4,000 pounds, according to Google. And they stole more than two times that weight. <laughs> dimes. Yes. I well, I just I just wish there was a visual that they could have provided of like what does two million dimes look like? Because I got to think, like you said, just pure volume wise, that's got to take up so much space. I know we looked at, we broke down based on we, the we thickness. We ran the numbers on this we, one, Sean. We, we ran the numbers. <laughs> I know, but even like you know, we did it in in a kind of unfair way. I think like I'd rather see it in like a bowl. Like what does a hundred dimes look like, and then I can multiply yeah. that out. But like we looked it up, so a dime is one point three five millimeters thick. And 0.705 inches wide. So if you stacked the dimes on top of each other, two million dimes at 1.35 millimeters, it would be just under 8,900 feet tall. Which, for perspective, the tallest building in the world is just over 2,700 feet. And if you stacked the Empire State Building on top of itself a little over six times, that's how high those dimes came out to be. Laying them side by side, those dimes would stretch 22.25 miles or about twice the distance from the earth to the edge of its atmosphere. So you go to the edge of the atmosphere and back. The stratosphere, it would go to the stratosphere, which is 11 to 31 miles above the earth. So I guess we could have touched the stratosphere and came, came back down to earth's surface. That's from Science Facts. It's long. You can picture, you can think of 22 miles and think of dimes the whole way. It's pretty far. That's that's what we're trying to get at. But yeah. I was trying to think, without trying to be funny or anything, this may be next to like pennies or nickels, the most impractical thing in the world to steal. I can't think of like a worse thing if you're a crook to steal th- than dimes. Do you think they knew, what were they targeting this truck because it came from the mint and maybe they thought it had... I don't know quarters or dollars. <laughs> big stuff quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, or something stuff. else completely. Do they think I don't. I, I would maybe they thought something else completely because the police chief who was in this New York Times or ABC article uh, that they interviewed said it's it's been a very popular thing breaking into trailers that are parked at like a Walmart overnight, and people have been stealing like frozen food, electronics, uh, things of that nature. Which I, I got to think, you know, electronics, maybe like, you, you know, you hope you stumble into electronics if you're those thieves. But dimes, just it's so impractical trying to get that back into circulation. It's impractical to steal. It's heavy and like not worth that much. We looked yeah, it up. Do, maybe they, how do you it, spend even if they, it? how you spend it, we, we looked it up, even if they wanted to like melt it down for its like scrap value. A dime is only worth like two cents worth of scrap. So like all of that only comes to $40,000. And again, People are going to be like, wow, you have $40,000 worth of this metal. Like, I, So it's like, I don't know. Not that we know anything about being a professional thief, but I can't imagine a worse thing to steal if you're going to steal. Don't don't know much about the underworld. Very limited knowledge <laughs> in, in thievery. But yeah, that would that would be my best guess is they wanted to steal something else because there's no way they're going to go Acme to Acme or Kroger to Kroger and just dump those in the little coin machine and get their little voucher and go on their way. It would take years. Didn't didn't the police chief say something about um 
if you happen to have a lot yes. of nines at home, <laughs> now may not be the time to cash them in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, PSA, if you have a piggy bank that you're going to dump into one of those machines, they're probably on high alert right now in the Philadelphia area. So maybe hold off on that. Bizarre crime. All right. I like all that right. one. AI. It's all the rage right now, Sean. Over the weekend, there was an AI-generated Drake and The Weeknd song that went viral. Did you listen to the song? I did. Did you? I did. I only did because you sent it to me. So. Okay. What, what, what were your thoughts? I don't know how big of a fan you are of Drake or The Weeknd, but what were your thoughts? Were you convinced? We'll, we'll get into this good? music stuff with me as this podcast goes along. You've heard yeah, I should have asked you that. Yeah. Yes. So for the record, not a huge music guy. That seems strange to some people, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, Maybe you should have kept that in. Um, All right. It's out there now. <laughs> doesn't bother me. Just being authentic. Uh, you know, I thought it, it sounded believable. Yeah. I mean, the, the only issue was like the quality was a little poor. I, it sounded like someone held their phone up to, to a speaker to record it. But other it, than that, it was interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like a kind of pirated like SoundCloud version of a song, like you said. And if you hadn't told me it was AI, maybe you could have convinced me like Drake and The Weeknd just sound a little off or something. But knowing it's AI, it definitely feels a little off, but still very jarring that it can even be that close. Um, people were even saying the beat was supposed to be modeled after a certain producer and it sounded pretty similar to something that producer would make. Obviously, as you'd think, it sounds like Drake is very upset. Artists not obviously happy. do not do not want random people ripping off their brand or cheapening their brand by putting out fake music and then people not being able to tell what's real, what's not. From the point, from the perspective that this is possible, I think it's like shocking, probably more scary and concerning than anything. And like a reminder of that we need regulation in, it is, in some It is form. a little concerning that you can replicate someone's voice and just like artistic style that way. I tried to find it. Looks, so it looks like the guy who made it is a like he's been a ghostwriter for major artists throughout his career. And he was upset ghostwriters don't get the the credit that he thinks they deserve. So he wanted to prove that now with all the technology they have, he can do this all himself. Universal Music Group, who is Drake's uh, record label, wrote to streaming services, including Spotify and Apple Music, asking them to prevent artif artificial intelligence companies from accessing their libraries. Universal Music Group is huge, uh, publicly traded. Market cap about forty-two billion. They had uh, revenue last year a little under eleven billion. So they're they're pretty big. They may be the largest record label yeah. in the U.S. I did see Spotify and Apple Music did respond by taking it down. I'm pretty sure Spotify locked the account of the person who put it up, but it's still widely available on Twitter and TikTok. So it's not completely wiped at this point. Interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens, but obviously concerning. I think it just, again, like we talked about talking, like zooming out, if we want to talk like broader AI. Um, yeah, there was that article in Bloomberg over the weekend. Um, is, is that where you're going with this or no? Yeah, no, I just said, I, I think even like obviously it made for a fun little story there for the music industry, but I think more broadly, especially in finance, AI is going to have a huge impact moving forward. I think it's safely beyond fad status at this point. It's It's here to stay. Right. And there was a Bloomberg story over the weekend that two new new research papers were published um, this month uh, that can decode Fed speak and predict stock moves from headlines. Oh, not all that uncommon. Like quants have been using some form of this for a while for, for trading. There's actually a couple of features in Bloomberg that we can use 
to decipher dovish or hawkish messaging within fed statements um it's interesting to see someone actually write a research paper about it very quick turnaround props to them yes that was a pretty pretty detailed paper to come out that quickly but i, I like you said it's it's not it, it's considered natural language processing when like a computer takes in either conversation or text and then tells you what the sentiment is which is like you said not a very new thing i think the craziest part of this is it wasn't it wasn't trained specifically to do this necessarily and it gave this good of answers and it compared chat gpt's answers to other natural language processors um, that are out there today and it pretty significantly outperformed the fact that it was able to predict with a little bit better certainty what could happen to the stock price is is pretty jarring it feels like the big buzzword of the late 2010 mid to late 2010s was like big data Big data is going to revolutionize everything. We're going to learn so much. We're going to uncover these truths that were right in front of us the whole time. And it feels like that never fully came to fruition. It feels like this is kind of that, but with some more teeth. Like we're already seeing the tangible impacts very early on. And it's like, okay, we have the big data. What are we going to do with it? AI seems like a very capable tool to kind of uncover those truths that we were promised, you know, five, 10 years ago. Isn't this just like the next evolution of big data? Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, if if we really want to get nitpicky about like what AI is and what like the early iterations of AI is, it's like not anything ridiculously complicated. I think it like it is obviously very complex and advanced, but in in, in its simplest sense, it just has taken in a bunch of data, has been trained on it, can can learn what to expect versus on, on, on like past patterns and what it knows, and then you give it more data and it's like spits out an answer. It's like an if then kind of thing. Um, so yeah well-equipped like it is big data right like it's one of the big chat gpt was trained on one of the biggest data sets like ever created that bloomberg gpt that they're working on i think was trained on billions of points of data so it's as big data as it gets (laughs) all that information is out there right now and it's just about organizing it in some useful way absolutely but like you said it's all all about that like continued push towards more efficiency upwards to the right so we'll see yeah, that's, I guess that's really um, the way the economic cycle goes, right? There's innovation, there's implementation, there's growth that comes out of it. And it's just like this big, big cycle that keeps churning. And this feels like part of part of that cycle. This is just like the next thing, the increased productivity. Yep. So stay tuned. How, well, we have Bloomberg all during the day while we're working. It's talked about almost every day since the end of last year. It's funny. It's interesting how that narrative has changed. Last week or a few weeks ago, there were some tech people that issued a letter saying we should pause the development of AI, give us time to think out the consequences of it, more or less paraphrasing what they said. How do you think things will evolve over the next two, three months? I I understand the the call for a pause, and I think it probably is needed. Do I think I think there's a zero percent chance that happens? No company is gonna willingly forego like possible improvements in their software and their competitive positioning. It's just not going to happen. Um, I'm hopeful regulation starts to kick in a little bit in two to three months. We've talked about a bunch how usually the way regulation works in the United States is there's a catastrophe and then we regulate around it. feels like the stakes are bigger with AI. A lot has been said of kind of the catastrophes that could come from this are, are much bigger than like a consumer product or a financial product. So that's concerning. But I do think we'll continue to just uncover different ways to use it. We're going to see more stuff like the Drake weekend song where it's like, I didn't even think this was possible. How how the hell did we get here? But yeah, I would expect just continued rapid kind of parabolic growth. Yeah, it seems like it's going to keep keep evolving. It'll be interested, interesting for us to revisit this conversation um, or just more or less check back in on it. Let's say 
end of June, sometime around there. Just yeah. to see how since it has evolved so much since it first made headlines at the end of last year. Like even thinking back to last summer, like AI was always like a thing and a concept, right? It's not a new concept. People always talk about what it would look like became more mainstream. Here we are. Feels like we're here on some level. Maybe yeah. it's not completely mainstream yet. It's still still on the fringes of it, but it's closer than it ever has been to becoming mainstream, it seems. Oh, absolutely. I I saw something the other day that might have been a venture capital player, someone in that space said this might be the biggest total addressable market of a, of a new product since the iPhone in terms of there's the possibility everyone in the world is going to be using this. And it's been a long time since we had like that product was that was that ubiquitous and accessible. I know that like, if we had touched on it a few times now, but how does it impact labor on the labor force? The big concern is it will eliminate jobs and boost corporate profits. Corporations will benefit more than workers. But at the same time, there has going to have to be some type of balance there have tons of unemployed people and continue to have profits go up like you still need people to buy your your goods and services at the end of the day and then we had talked about it a few times now it'll all be fine until someone a group of workers or industry starts getting impacted adversely their representative will not like that it'll be bad for their constituents and then we'll probably see some push to in the regulation i don't know it's an interesting topic that's for sure yeah absolutely i mean you could talk for 10 hours and not run out of stuff to kind of think about with ai so i think that's why some like the biggest people in tech and all these thought leaders it's what they're so addicted to right now so i would, I would definitely say it's, it's something worthy of keeping up on and, and trying to stay fluent with anything else for this week sean hope for the sixers Pull it out. Phillies get back on track. I'm a little afraid Phil, once we Phillies finish recording. back on track would be nice. I'm a, I'm a little afraid once we stop recording. I th- I'm going to try and check the score of the of the first game for today, but fingers crossed, I guess. But fingers we'll see. crossed. All right. Until next week when we talk uh, about bulls and bears.